Welcome to the Crash Course Marketing Academy podcast. If you're thinking of starting a small business, you're already running one, or you're responsible for marketing a small business, you've come to the right place. Join us weekly as Crash Course Marketing Academy founder Gayla Zoes helps you make sense of today's mind-boggling array of marketing options. So sit back, relax, and get ready to cut through the confusion because the Crash Course Marketing Academy podcast is starting now. Hey everyone, I'm Gayla Zoes, host of the Crash Course Marketing Academy podcast. Welcome to episode 25. This week is an industry focus week, which means you'll be hearing from somebody who's out there promoting his business. In this episode, I talk to Tim Takus, a certified elder law attorney and the founding partner at Takus McGinnis Elder Care Law. And that's an elder care law firm located just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Tim was one of my very first clients after I moved to Tennessee, and it was through him that I met dozens of elder law attorneys, many of whom eventually became my clients. When I first met Tim back in 2005, he had already perfected the elder law innovation that we will be talking about in today's podcast. The challenge was promoting it, and that's where our conversation will focus today. Whether you've created something new or not, I think you'll enjoy Tim's perspective on what it takes to get the word out about something that no one has done before. Let's listen in. Hey, Tim, thanks for joining me. Well, you're welcome, Caleb. Glad to be here. Um, Tim, let's start off with a little information about you, especially for listeners who are outside of the area. Um, people know you as an attorney and one of the partners at Takus McGinnis Elder Care Law in Hendersonville, Tennessee, but that's not the only thing you've done in your career. Tell us about your background. Okay. Um, I started as an attorney, uh, a baby attorney in 1980. I got licensed um, in 1980 in Tennessee. I'm a Vanderbilt Law School graduate. Uh, and um, it kind of was my my, my career path was to become an attorney and uh, go work for a corporation like a bank or something like that uh, in some big city. And in fact, I had done some interviewing. Uh, but back in 1980, I, was, um, I had done interviewing, but we were kind of going through a little mini recession. And so I wound up uh, uh, getting, um, becoming a law clerk to an attorney who practiced um, in Madison, Tennessee. And without sparing details, I wound up um, you know, in, a, in, in a practice of four other attorneys in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which for people who don't, I, I, I would always say Hendersonville, Tennessee is where Johnny Cash lived and now he's deceased and Buried you know, here. And he's now buried here and all that other thing. So it was a country, you know, it's a kind of a country music place here. And so I did. So as a, as a member of, of uh, as a, a member of this for a partnership, I did divorces, bankruptcies. I did general practice of law. You know, and I guess really what's significant about that is, is that I became disillusioned with the practice of law, practice of general practice of law. And really felt like there should be a better way of doing things. And so, um, in um, 199, in the early 90s, I learned about uh, 
about elder law. And back in 1990, back, you know, for those who are old as me, uh, we did not have email, we did not have internet. And so I, we actually got uh, paper newsletters. And one of these paper newsletters I got was uh, elder law being one of the hot practiced areas of the 1990s. And so um, I said, you know, I, I really sh- I'm really interested in doing that. And by this time, I was a sole practitioner and decided I wanted to go into elder law. And so I did. I wrote to uh, send a letter uh, to the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys and asked uh, for an application and applied and, and, of course, was accepted and became, you know, started doing elder law. So that's really how I got into elder law. Okay. You created what amounts to an entirely new way to practice elder law. For the people listening who may not be familiar with elder law, will you explain what that is and how this specialty of law was practiced when you first entered the field? Yeah, and that's really where I was. Uh, I, I thought that elder law was really what I wanted to do, and and certainly it is what I wanted. Want, it is what I'm doing, and it is what I want to do. But I realized that there, uh, as I got into elder law, that there really was a better way to practice elder law, uh, because elder law at the time, um, uh, and it's still largely the practice of elder law, is basically synonymous with with Medicaid asset protection planning. And essentially what that means is, is that old people are the clients and typically an engagement begins with um, uh, a spouse or a, a child or other family member presents to the, to the elder law attorney and says, well, my, uh, uh, my wife is in a nursing home and I know that I, you know, and I can't, aff- and I can't or don't want to pay the nursing home because they're paying, they're charging me nine or $10,000 a month, you know, and I need you to help me, um, become eligible for Medicaid. And we're talking about people, g- generally older people who are in nursing homes, you know, at a very high cost. And when I say $10,000 a month, um, uh, that's probably in uh, other communities, not maybe like maybe in New York, it might be fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a month for a nursing home. Uh, but in Tennessee, it's eight to ten. Okay, so so we have children that are coming in and they're asking uh, they want to save the they they want to save the money from the nursing home, you know, and that's the kind of work that I did, and I really did not find mer- much satisfaction, although I got I was good at it. But what I realized was is that the elder was really kind of left out of the whole uh, the whole transaction is really what it was. Essentially, meaning is is that how do we save the money for the children, or how do we save the money for me who has the child? Uh, and I realized that that was really not what I wanted to do is to help children. Uh, you know, you know, get money from their parents, you know, like one of my colleagues would say, you know, would, would often say is, oh, you mean the children need the money more than mom and dad? Yeah. And so what I, um, you know, when I, when I conceived of the idea of, of life care planning, um, that was to really put the, 
put the elder as the center of the of the practice of elder law because at that point the elder was not the center and so basically what we say when we you know when we when i when i came up with the idea of doing life care planning is how do we how do we promote and maintain the good health safety well-being and quality of life of the elder client you know at all times yeah and the emphasis is on good health safety well-being and quality of life because that was not what was being emphasized you know in the traditional practice of elder law essentially what was happening was is that the practice of elder law was well you know we'll save the money from the nursing home and get the you know so we'll get medicaid going you know and then the elder law attorney would close the file yeah you know, and then essentially it was up to the you know so the children were the were basically left on their own to 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 focus on how do i make sure that mom's getting the care that she needs how do i advocate for my loved one all of those sorts of things that were not uh, not the province or the domain of traditional elder law and so that essentially led me to life care planning and life care planning essentially consists of of hiring uh, non-lawyer healthcare professionals like licensed master social workers uh nursing home ombudsmen's people who are who have who have geriatric nurse practitioners all of those sorts of uh, non-lawyer healthcare professionals which essentially are taking the lead you know in focusing on promoting and maintaining the good health safety well-being and quality of life of our elder client at all times so that's how really how life care planning got started mm-hmm Tim, what were the biggest challenges for you in marketing this new approach to elder law, not just to families, but to other attorneys, to asset-focused elder law attorneys? And what did you do in response to those challenges? Well, you know, I guess the, the, the biggest, mar- biggest challenge in marketing, for one, is, is that you, know, you, you start thinking about who you're marketing to. I mean, there are a number of different, um, I guess, publics or whatever, or, or targets of your marketing. One, of course, is the, is the consumer. You know, the consumer is, um, you know, you, ha- you have to market to um, consumers who... Um, uh, maybe are not familiar with what elder law is, you know, and wonder how it can help them. Um, marketing to other elder law attorneys, um, a lot of the challenges as I got was is that, um, uh, you know, there you know, in some in some areas of of the country, like New York, California, New Jersey, the um, Massachusetts. Um, Elder law was really um, more established than it was, or you know, or has or was in Tennessee. So I was having conversations about life care planning with the, with other attorneys who essentially uh, had um, they had sort of assumed that they had already built the mousetrap, uh, and they didn't not really want to hear about a better mousetrap. Yeah. You know, so um, so the challenge I had was creating a community of other attorneys who were interested in this area of practice 
and we're not um, essentially vested in asset protection planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so going around uh, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, which I was a, a fairly prominent member, and having conversations with other elder law attorneys about essentially is that there is a better way to practice elder law, you know, and I think I have found it, you know, and so, you know, I have vivid memories of walking around uh, at uh, NALA programs and NALA meetings, you know, and having conversations with other elder law attorneys who were very interested in this area of, pra- of, of what I was doing, you know, and maybe could see themselves, you know, in doing what I was doing. Uh, and then there were other attorneys, as I mentioned, elder, other elder law attorneys who figured that they had invented it, and, you know, and didn't really want to hear it. Uh, and I guess one of the things that I've discovered as as a part of this process, and is that, and sometimes I, I say this to uh, uh, to people that ask me about what my story is, is that as I went around doing this, I realized that. You know, I, I, lot of, I lost a lot of friends uh, in elder law, you know, because uh, I was talking about things that, pe- you know, basically I lost a lot of friends as attorneys mm-hmm. who just could not see themselves doing this, mm-hmm. if, if that makes any sense. It does. And I, ju- I just want to say that I, I entered the picture in working with you, I think, maybe around 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest challenges in marketing this new approach to consumers is that your client is often in denial that the services are even needed. So the marketing, the target of your marketing in many cases mm-hmm. has to be the older person's children or somebody other than the person who will eventually be your client. Exactly. Talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In fact, I was just, you know, I was just working on a case or just looking at a case just about 15 minutes or so before we started this podcast about, you know, we represent uh, a husband and wife uh, and the husband is not doing very well. And the wife, was until she had a fall uh and that essentially that really was sort of a wake-up call to the children that okay now we need to step in because mom who has been in denial of her uh, you know that that something needed to be done you know now that the now the children are coming in and it's now how how does how do the children step in because like you said, is the children, they see all, they, they see what the problems are going to be and they're either have to get out in front of them, you know, so there's not a crisis uh, or, you know, a crisis occurs, you know, and then they, and then they're left with reacting and picking up the pieces. And unfortunately in this particular engagement that we have, um, Mom's fall was not catastrophic, uh, but it it, it it it's allowed the children to come in uh, and you know intervene you know in, in an appropriate uh, non-confrontational way, so that we can um, we can help 
them, the clients, the elderly clients and the family, you know, can move, move forward with a planning so that, um, you know, as you mentioned, so that the denial, um, uh, the, the, the denial problem sort of tends to go away, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Gayla, you know that we've developed a concept that we call the conflict box. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the conflict box is, you know, as you said precisely, that you have the elder that 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 presents, you know, and he or she says, well, I'm doing fine. Uh, and the children are trying to, you know, they, they see that things are not so fine, but the elder is in denial, and then the elder either tries to take charge, uh, and then you get into what we call the conflict box, you know, and then nothing gets done. And then, like I mentioned, is there's either a crisis, which then where the situation resolves itself, you know, or maybe there is a you know, there is a, a crisis which is not catastrophic. Uh, and then the elder then accepts uh, that they are at least so, that something needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll probably put a link to, to one of those conflict box blog posts or videos in the show notes because that that is such a good example of the core, one of the core problems or the core conflicts that often you know, shows up at your conference room table. Right. There's been a lot of denial for a long time, and then boom, there's some kind of of, of uh, crisis that happens, yeah. and yeah. then and, the dust and, settles. And exactly, and, and as one of the things you know, what we know is is that uh, one of the issues that for that one of the issues that children have, you know, is essentially taking charge. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to step up and you have to do it in a way that uh, that is, um, for one, you, the child can't be in denial himself or herself, you know, because we do have children that walk in and say, well, you know, mom's not doing too badly. She only fell three times last week. <laughs> I mean, we literally hear stuff like that. You know, and then, you know, and then we have, on the other hand, you know, we have, we have, obviously we have children in denial and then we have children that walk in and say, well, mom's just, you know, doing very badly and she's, you know, she needs all of this, blah, you know, she needs all of this help and whatever, you know, and then when we, then when we visit the client or we visit mom and we see that the picture that we're getting is that it's not nearly as dire as the child portrays it or portrays it. You know, and then we call that is paternalism, mm-hmm. you know, which is also an ethical problem. Denial is an ethical issue. Paternalism is an ethical issue as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a flip side to the denial, you know, which is where the child tries to take charge, you know, over an older adult that doesn't need to be helped in that manner. Mm-hmm. What's so interesting to me is that the, the this change that you made in the way elder law is practiced has really not only is the older adult in the center of this process in a way that really was never possible or desirable in an asset focused elder law practice but in in many ways a life care planning law firm is inserting themselves into the, these life transitions and walking alongside a family 
through these these difficult and I mean every you know it's role reversals for the parent for the child it's just such a a challenging time and we've got a law firm lawyers basically mm-hmm. some other professionals who are involved in 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 a family's life in a way that really would have been unheard of 20 years ago right do you think that was part of the resistance from some of the other attorneys I would say yes, um, because all, you know those practices tend to be. I mean, they, they're they're transactional. Um, you have the uh, the other elder law attorneys. Um, I mean, and, and I don't mean I'm not really ca- I don't want to cast aspersions on them because they were doing good work. They're doing estate planning, necessary documents. Uh, you know, it was a sp- it's a specialty of practice. Um, they're doing Medicaid planning, they're doing asset protection planning, and all of that's important. Um, but it, but that work is, tra- like I said, it's transactional, it's elder-centered, um, and it doesn't really, you know, ultimately there is a need for um, an attorney that represents elders in such a way in the healthcare and long-term care system that guides the elders and their families through the, the, the elder care, what we call the elder care continuum. You know, another way maybe professionally I would put it is, is that, that in the health, in the life, in the long-term care and healthcare system, there is no specialty of practice that represents the elder. I mean, you have these big law firms, you know, that are, you know, I mean, that, that, are, that represents, they represent hospitals, you know, they represent doctors, they represent all of the providers. But on the other side, you know, there is no, there is no, there's no specialty of law practice that is devoted to representing the elder to make sure the elder gets the, the care that, that gets the care that he or she needs and, and is entitled to as a matter of law. Uh, yeah, another way I put, sometimes I, way I put it is, is that often, you know, the, the, that, 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 that the elder becomes represented only if there's a, is there's a problem. So in other words, if there is a malpractice or there's an injury, mm-hmm. you know, but, our focus here on, in life care planning is to advocate for the elder and the elder's needs for long, you know, the, the right to their right for long-term care. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, is not something that traditional elder laws has emphasized. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, they gave lip service to it because I, you know, I remember, you know, getting in the, getting a lot of the literature from the national Academy of elder law attorneys, you know, that they're saying is, is that they, that the elder law attorney, you know, devotes himself or herself to promoting, you know, the right to quality care and whatever it is. But that's not what I found when I joined the, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. That's not what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is really interesting. And a couple of things come to mind as I hear you talk about about these realities. One is that one of the things that you did differently was kind of ratchet up your perspective from ground zero 
to, you know, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 feet. And you were looking at not just, okay, this one point on a timeline where somebody needs Medicaid, how do we get it for them without decimating, you know, the family's assets? Right. But you, you were looking, you were taking a systems view of a, a system that had never really been looked at from the elder's perspective before. How, what, what, what was, I, I, and I think that's been pretty disruptive, you know, what you've mm-hmm. just shared about, you know, you lost friends and there were, um, you know, disconnects between what you expected from Nayla and what you found. That systems approach to me is, is a real innovation. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. And the systems approach is essentially you have people that you know, and I, I've mentioned the elder care continuum, which is what we, which is kind of fundamental for our, you know, the way we look at the world as elder, as elder, life care planning law firms look at the world is, is that, you know, we, we have people, we have older people who are in good health, you know, and there are, you know, you could be 60 years, 65, 70 years old, and you could be good health. So, you know, you so your place on the elder care continuum is well. I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm I'm here. I'm 70 year, years old and I'm doing fine. You know, I have no loss of function. You know, I have no um, I have no needs uh, uh, for any assistance of activities of daily or whatever living uh, of activities of daily living. And for those, you know, for that bunch, for that cohort, whether they're 50 or or 80. Um, they, what they need is they need essentially a a basic estate plan. You know, they really don't need, um, that. So essentially that's their focus is on, uh, as, as, as healthy older people, I'll call them hops, H O P Mm -hmm. healthy older people. Um, so the hops are basically needing, um, they need basic estate planning, yeah, and the hops also need to start to be thinking about the, a world in which, um, if they are hop, if they are hops now, at what point do they need to be thinking about uh, becoming what we call I, I call unhops, unhealthy older people. You know, and we all know what that looks like. I mean, that that because you know, from a marketing point of view. Uh, when you're old, old people don't necessarily think of themselves as being old and, and, and have, have chronic care needs. Those are ones sometimes they're in denial. Mm-hmm. And certainly, um, if you, um, if you look around and you see like advertisements for, you know, like the big financial planning companies, you know, and they're all talking about, you know, about retirement planning, you know, obviously that's a big deal, you know, so you've got, you know, and I don't want to name any names, but we can, you know, we can name all, you know, you can name all the names of the big financial planning companies out there that are marketing to older people, you know, and the marketing to the older people that basically what they're doing is they're not showing unhealthy older people, mm-hmm. you know, they're showing all, they're, they're showing healthy older people, whether they're they're seven look like they're 70 or 80 or whatever it is, but most of them don't look like they're 70 or 80. They more look like they're, you know, maybe seventies, but they've got gray, but they've got, they, they, they've got great 
hair. Uh, they look, you know, fit, fit, you know, and they're, they're, as I say, is, is that they're, they're looking at their, their, their marketing to elders who look like they're going to be, you know, writing off, you know, that they're writing off in the, in the sunset in the South of France, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. that's their, that's what, that's what old people look like to, you know, because we all know that, you know, you, you know, it's hard to market to people. Nobody, you to, if you're marketing to older people, you don't want to mark, market to them as looking like they're in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, so all these financial planning companies out there, you know, that's not what retirement looks like to any old person. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, there's probably a 50% chance that's that, you know, if you live long enough, you're not necessarily going to wind up in a nursing home, but that you're going to be winding up needing some assistance with activities of daily living. And so maybe some of that, maybe that assistance will be minimal. Some of it will be, some of them, some of them need, need a little bit of help. Some of them need a lot. But that, but that help essentially occurs for most older people as along a, a, a continuum of care. You start with needing no care at all to de- maybe to developing uh, maybe some chronic illness, you know, and then you start becoming an unhealthy older person, an unhop. And then maybe you're going to need a little, a little bit of care, you know, and as, as you age, depending upon what diseases or chronic illnesses that you have, you know, you may age quickly and die quickly, or you may age not so quickly. And then you decline, slowly and have a long trajectory, you know, of, of needing, of needing care. You know, so a lot of, of what our planning looks at is, okay, what chronic illnesses did you, do you have? Uh, do you have something that's going to put you in a nursing home quick? Uh, or is it going to be slow or, or are you going to need a, a assistance with activities of daily living for a a long period of time or a short period of time, or are you going to have a, are you going to be healthy up to the day, the last day of your life and have a stroke and die? You know, and all of that comes into play when we're doing planning for our older clients. Uh, and for people like me, you know, I don't have a background in healthcare. You know, I, as you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I have a juris doc, doctor, d- doctorate degree, I never expected to be in elder law, which is why we have to hire lawn lawyer healthcare professionals who do have that expertise, you know, in planning for the care of older persons. But instead of working in a nursing facility or in home health or something else, they're working in a law firm uh, and they're working in a law firm as what we call an elder care coordinator and so they're taking, as you said, taking a long view of a systematic approach of, of are you needing a little bit of care now and when are you going to be needing more care and what is that care going to be looking like? You know, and that's why we have um, the practice model that we have where we represent older people over a period of, and sometimes for many, many years, we have typically a one-year engagement with our older clients, you know, and they have an opportunity to renew with us from year to year 
So in many cases, uh, for our life care planning practice, as I often like, as I often say, is all of our clients die because chances are they may have come to us as maybe being an unhealthy older person. We may have represented them over four or five or six years, and then they passed away uh, as they renewed with us from year to year. You know, and so that's really the system that we've uh, created here at the elder law at, at Takeus McGinnis Elder Care Law. You know, and that's the system that we have been teaching over the last 15 years or so to other elder law attorneys, you know, who have found this model to be, you know, what they, you know, the way that they want to practice elder care law. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I just based on my observations and my work with other life care planning law firms, it seems like there was a deep hunger, a shared desire for a system to bridge this gap in elder law. And that that sense that there was something missing, I think a lot of other elder law attorneys who are focusing on asset protection and Medicaid qualification, I think they were feeling the same way. At least that's what I've heard yeah. uh, from other attorneys. And I think that's right. Um, you know, the as I mentioned, you know, you have um, and I, you have the, this, this, the disruptive aspect of it. Is, in one is one respect, is is that you have another. You have elder law attorneys who've been doing this for longer than I have. I mean, I, I've, I've been doing it since you know, the early nineties. And then you have some that have been doing it into the, you know, since they've been like in the, in the 1980s and they think they've got this all figured out, you know, and then, and and of course what you have is you have people like them who are going, well, why should I change? Uh, I'm doing fine now. I'm making a lot of money. People are coming into me, you know, and they're paying me a lot of money to save money from the nursing home. Uh, And, you know, I, what I would do is when I created what I called, you know, the fundamentals program where we take, where we teach the fundamentals and practice of life care planning, you know, over two and a half days, I would talk a lot about demographics uh, in the first day. Uh, basically what I was telling people and, you know, many of these elder law attorneys who were getting into elder law, they did not even know how many old people out there that were out there that needed help and that were on Medicaid. You know, the, the expectation was in the 90s, in the 1990s, was I call that the golden age of elder law of elder law attorneys because you know, the, the perception was is that at any one time, like let's say in the mid-1990s, at any one time there would be like maybe you know, one and a half million older people who are in nursing homes and on Medicaid, one and a half million. Mm-hmm. Well, the perception was in the 90s is, is that by the year 2000, that number would be 303 million, you know, and in 2010, there would be 5 million people in their old people in nursing homes and on Medicaid, you know, and of course, you know, you have this guild here of lawyers who, you know, had this Medicaid planning practice. And so they were protecting their turf. Okay, so how do I protect my turf from all these other people that are wanting to come in? You know, and now you have these other people that were, you know, like me, elder law attorneys who were basically insidious challengers to this because I was, 
I was here, I was gnawing on them from the inside, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you had other elder, you had other attorneys out there who were not met elder law attorneys who felt like, well, I think I could do this. And then you had non-lawyers who were like annuity salespeople or whatever that would say, well, I can do this type of work. You know, so you just hire me and you don't need to have an attorney. You know, so, but I, here I am, came along and I said, no, there is a better way to do this. And here's how to, how, how to do this. You know, and so that was a direct challenge to their model. You know, and what I had to do was to initially address the whole idea that their that their conceptions or preconceptions about um, about the demographics were wrong. In fact, in the year, you know, and I, I know I've got these figures out here somewhere, but the number starting in the late 1990s, the number of older people who are in nursing homes and on Medicaid actually began to decline. You know, and so it, it and, and I, if I recall, I don't, I, I believe that it did not reach the, the, the number of older people who are in nursing homes and on Medicaid, that number, and I'll say it's like one and a half million in like in 1995, that did not, that, that number began to decline and it did not reach one and a half million, I think, until the year 2015, You know, and, you, and it was surprising to me how many elder law attorneys did not know the basic demographics. They didn't know how many old people there were out, there were out there. They did not see, they did not see how that that their their actual their pool of business other of old people that number who were in nursing homes and on Medicaid was actually declining. I mean, you would think that would be basics, the right, right? Yeah, yeah. That you would actually you know something first. about who your clients were mm-hmm. and what those numbers were. But that's what was surprising to me was how many of them just did not know that. Yeah. Tim, one thing that I'm, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but I'm interested in knowing about the copycats. One of the, one of the, realities of being a trailblazer like you are is that people are going to copy or maybe try to find a different, you know, way to deliver basically what life care planning is deliver, delivering. Have you seen imitators? And if so, what, what did you do about that? Yeah. When I, when I think about that, you know, about, about people that are trying to imitate, you know, there's always there's always going to be people out there. Um, you know, they will come to the, they'll come to the fundamentals program and, and they'll, they'll take, some of them are maybe very, um, maybe some of them have a lot of experience, you know, doing elder law or whatever, but it does. The point is, is that they will go, okay. Um, you know, I, um, I, I can do this myself. Um, I, I'm not, you know, and I understand about the copycats. Um, on the one hand, uh, you have to think, um, you know, in, in some ways it, it's a little, it's, it's flattering. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing I think that, 
you know, we have, when I think about, you know, when, since I'm a member of the life and I'm one of the organizers of the life care planning law firms association, you know, is, is protecting the brand. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you know, we have people out there that, you know, we don't, I mean, and I don't know who they are particularly, and I don't, because I don't really have any names, but some of my colleagues tell me that there are people out there who call themselves life care planning law firms or whatever it is, you know, and don't, you know, they're not a member of the, the association. Yeah. And I, I don't know that you, I don't know really what you can do about that. And I, I'm not sure that there is much to do about it because frankly, you, you in, in some ways, and I really, and I really mean this is that, you really have to think more broadly than that because if it, as long as the older client's needs are being uh, older client's needs are being served you know and those needs are being met um that's okay mm-hmm. yeah i I, I if that think makes that, any sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and to me, that that's that's a reflection of your approach in general. I mean, I maybe even to say heart, because it this is about the older adult and making sure that that person is well cared for and however that is done and whoever's doing it in whatever way. Um it's right. ultimately good for the for the client. Exactly, you know, and maybe they do it in different ways. And you know, and I've always said is is that, you know, I would be glad to have other people come around here and say, Tim, you know, maybe there's a better way for you guys to do this. You know, so you know, so you know, teach us how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we do this in a way that works for everybody? Um, and. I mean, frankly, you know, and I've always said this in fundamentals is, is that there's a lot of old people out there that need help, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and I'm not out here telling people that you got to do it this way. Yeah. 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 You know, but you, but if you're going to do it, you know, let's at least, you know, maybe I can be a part of it. Maybe maybe I can be a part of something where, you know, I can help other attorneys do it in the way that works for them and works for their clients, mm-hmm. you know, where it's not a, uh, where you're not deceiving the public or you're not trying to deceive anybody, you know, but as long as you're doing it, you know, in the right way, well, I call it just the right way. Yeah. You know, I don't care, you know, if you're doing it, trying to copy me or going out and doing it on yourself, that's fine. Tim, I like to wrap up each episode with a key takeaway. So this question I'm about to ask you is the key takeaway. What is the single most important thing that a business owner needs to be thinking about and doing if they want to create something brand new to bring to the marketplace? You know, that's a, I, I know we've talked about this, you know, before and, and you know, cause I've thought about, you know, a, a lot of this, um, I think as far as you, you, as far as looking at 
or, or answering that question is that you have to be, for one, is that you have to be ready for it. You have to think about what's out there. And I know it's not, I'm, you asked for like the single most important thing. And so now I'm giving you a whole laundry list, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's not what you, that's not what you want. But really what you're, what you really are looking at is, is that um, you, you have to make sure that, um, you know, when I said that you, that you are ready for this is, is that you, you, you want to make sure that you have all of the fundamentals in place. You know, in other words, uh, uh, like in, in, in my case, um, doing life care planning, um, you know, I had an, I had an idea, um, uh, which, um, I knew was disruptive, you know, and I knew that it would work. Um, it's not, you know, and, 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 and certainly, and when I say work, that I knew that there was a market for it. I mean, you, you can't get away from that. You know, you're not going to, um, uh, you, you, you can't pretend um, that, that this is going to work. You can't, um, it's, it's not going to work by magic. You know, it, 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 takes, it takes hard work. It takes dedication. Uh, and, uh, and it's not something that is going to uh, happen right away. I mean, people may look at me and say, oh, look at how, you know, look how well you're doing. You've got three lawyers there. You've got two care, elder care coordinators. You have, I've got a staff of 13 or 14 here. Well, you know, that's, that's over many, many years. Mm-hmm. You know, that's over 20 years of, of ha- since I've had this idea, almost 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and actually making it work. So... Sorry yeah. for a sorry for a long <laughs> answer to a short question. No, I t- so to me that just that boils down to um, having a well formed idea and the stamina to to shepherd it through the you know the implementation process. Yeah, and I've 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 really I've watched you do that over the years, and um, you know there's there's a whole elder law subculture really that you, that that you are a catalyst in creating around um dealing with the care component which was really the missing piece mm-hmm. right yeah yeah that to me that is um it's an amazing innovation and um and i know that the people who hear this episode who don't know much about elder law when they start listening, we'll know a lot more uh, at this point when they're done, and they'll know that life care planning is um, is there for them when someone they love. Um, yeah, and I would say too is is that probably probably many of your listeners who don't know much or if anything at all about elder law, you know, they would say, "Well, gee, that's that sounds obvious obvious to me. Why didn't anybody think about this before?" Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> but nobody did. Nobody right. did. It was like everybody had their little silo. 
mm-hmm. and the legal silo couldn't touch the care silo or the you know the healthcare silo and you know i've heard life care planning described in a lot of different ways and i've helped people describe it in different ways but one of the things that i remember um, most was when someone said it's like having a wedding planner for your mother's care you know someone you know a, a project manager basically mm-hmm. which is what the, the care coordinator is doing and that to me yeah is um i mean that that's something that people need but don't realize yeah they need well and like we say around here too is or i say this a lot a lot of what we do is I mean, as, as a life care planning law firm, is we do risk management. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what is the, you know, there are certain risks that come with becoming, becoming an old person. You know, how do you manage those risks? Yeah. You know, you need to, you know, you can't just manage the legal side. You need the personal care side. You need the financial side. You have all these other, you know, so why would you, like you said, why, why would you silo that? Yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah, and, and the current structure or the, the asset-focused approach to elder law ignores the fundamental driver of the need for those services in the first place, which is a change in the health condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, that, um, I think that, that doing something new, you know, developing, promoting something brand new is something that you've done beautifully over the years. And, and I think that um, we've only scratched the surface of what life care planning will eventually become. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of my colleagues say, you know, one of them's probably some people that, you know, you know, in, you know, the life care planning law firm association is, is that, you know, that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I have the best job in the world because I help, then that's like my five or 10 second elevator speech yeah. as well. You know, I'm a life care, I'm an elder care law attorney. Well, I don't know what that is. And I say, well, I help you take care of your mother and I have the best job in the world. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, that's a great place to, to end this episode. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. Well, glad to be here, Galen. Do you hate your logo? If the answer is yes, Enter Crash Course Marketing Academy's Logo Rehab Drawing for your chance to win a free brand analysis, a basic brand style guide, and a fresh new logo. This $2,000 value can be yours absolutely free. If you're the winner, the rehabilitation of your visual brand will be the topic of a special video episode of the Crash Course Marketing Academy podcast. To enter, visit CrashCourseMarketingAcademy.com slash Logo Rehab. Logo Rehab. It's time for an intervention. Thank you for listening to the Crash Course Marketing Academy podcast. If you enjoyed the show, why not leave a review? It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback. And speaking of feedback, if there's a topic you would like Gala to address on the podcast, let us know. Just drop us an email at info at crashcoursemarketingacademy.com. The Crash Course Marketing Academy podcast will be back next week with more straight talk about marketing your small business. Until then.